Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sun Guy Nation, welcome to the show on another sun, another Friday afternoon. Happy Cinco de Mayo to everyone celebrating that holiday today. Real fast before we jump into things with our guests. If you are looking for some professional wrestling, tonight WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. As usual, FGW in Hamilton, Ohio, and WWC happening in Port Orange, Florida. Tomorrow night, WCWO is back in Indianapolis for the Comic Convention at the Indiana Convention Center. DOA in Portland, Oregon. MPW in Crab Orchard, West Virginia. Gouge, weather permitting, in Raleigh, North Carolina. DCW in Salt Lake City, Utah. SNPW in Crossville, Illinois. Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. Route 33 Wrestling in Spencer, West Virginia. PWE in Alton, Illinois. EWA in Frankfort, Kentucky. NWF in Fairfield, Ohio, and Zero One in Decatur, Illinois. Without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the show. He is out of the great state of Maine, the scuffling hillbilly, Cousin Larry. Thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. We definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. Always my pleasure. Always my pleasure. Since it is your first time here on this particular program, I'm going to start you out today with the traditional first-timer question. How did you get into the business of professional wrestling? Um, as a kid, I loved it. I had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis as a kid, so I never thought I could. It went on into remission on its own in my mid-20s. And that's when I was able to start going back to the gym. And when I did, I ran into a guy at the gym that was done wrestling, but he had his own wooden ring out behind his own house. And we became friends. I found that out after the fact, and he agreed to train me. Now, he was my first trainer of several. And that was back in 1998. In 1998, the industry was very different than what it is now. You had arguably about the peak in popularity with the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars. There were three really major national promotions. Independent companies were drawing very, very well. You fast forward a few years and there was only one real national company with television exposure you had a few groups that had a national outlet with, say, DVDs and so forth. 
independents were up and down. The popularity was not at the same level. When you got into a few years of your career, was wrestling for you the same as it had been, where had things changed for what you personally wanted to get out of it or what you were getting out of it at a professional level? Well, even a few years later, Maine, now Tony Atlas ran a company called EWA. They started in 97, and that's where I started in 99 when I had my first matches. Um, the... Um, it didn't. It, the owners decided not to run anymore in Maine, and they sold it to one of the wrestlers who took it to Massachusetts. The fit, the crowds always showed up for those shows, but then when they moved out of state in 2003, there wasn't much in the state, so it was kind of a starting over thing. You know, it was uh, the crowds were weren't as good as they were before, um, but the ones that were there were very loyal. Maine is an interesting state because there has been a lot of wrestling in Maine over the years. Going back to the early days of pro wrestling, a lot of companies have based in Maine, WWE, in its early formative years, would go to Maine on a regular basis. Uh, You have a lot of independent wrestling up there, but not a lot of people nationwide point to Maine as a hotbed of pro wrestling. Do you delve much into the history of the sport in Maine um, and think it's a little bit underrated? Uh, I, it's hard because Maine is a very – Maine is as big acreage-wise, actually bigger than the rest of New England. But – there's only inhabitants in probably a third of it. So it's mostly woods. So you end up with, you know, I think Maine wrestling has, has done fine. Uh, it, it, it's just like all the, the other companies. Attendance goes up, attendance goes down. In the beginning, um, uh, after a while, I started promoting shows because there weren't a lot here. You know, and you learn more as you do it. You know, you, I mean, in the beginning... You, you didn't draw much of anything because you didn't really know what you were doing yet. You had to learn. There was no one to learn under because there were no companies here. For a while, from 2003, there wasn't much of anything for a few years. And it was just, it was a necessity to have wrestling in the state of Maine. And I was one of those guys that, that continued doing it. Um, I traveled other places. I had lots of fun. Um, but, you know, coming back to Maine and wrestling here... It is very, um, it is a starting point. It is not where you finish before you go somewhere. It's where you cultivate the love, that you love it, you know, that you go further with it. I mean, Fandango started here. Um, I don't know if you remember the guy in that was in SmackDown. He was the um, TV consultant there, Palmer Cannon. He's from Maine. Body Too Hotties is from Maine, you know. So some people have come out of Maine, you know. It's and like there are independent guys right now that are making a hell of a name for themselves. Uh, Alex Price, actually he's from Massachusetts. Ace Romero, he's from right down here in Saco. 
uh, MST is from up in the Bangor area. I mean, so you know, it's 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 not a, a a hotbed for people going places, but you know, there you can always find a diamond in a pile in a pile of coal. You know, it's and the everybody here has different reasons why they're doing it. You know, I I do it to have fun. I do it because I like to hit people and it's legal. You know, my wife asked me, she says, when are you going to get done? I said, you better hope never because I'm going to be a grumpy old bastard real quick. You know, it's, that's the, you know, everybody has their own reason for being in it. That is very, very true. One of the things you have been noted for in your career is tag team wrestling and tag teams are a little bit of a different animal than standard singles wrestling. You've done both in your career. Do you have a preference over one or the other? Um, I love each of them for different things, but if I had one match with people that I knew and I wanted to have, you know, my partner and all that stuff, it would, it would be tag team wrestling. Um, the chance to... Uh, and to draw the crowd in is so much better in a tag team match. You have that extra guy on the outside. You know, when I team with Sonny, uh, uh, we uh, literally didn't have to tell each other anything. We understood each other. Uh, All the way back to one of my first tag team partners, Billy Black, same thing. You know, I've had a chance to wrestle with a bunch of uh, WWE Hall of Famers as tag team partners, and you learn every time you get out there. Because even if you know more than the other guy, it doesn't mean you know everything the other guy knows. There's always something to be taught. And if you're willing to be taught, you're 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 never you're never going backwards. You're always going forwards. And the whole thing is to keep that bag of tricks, all those different things at work. And the time we're in right now for 2023, we are just getting underway for the part of the year where outdoor shows are viable in a lot of the country. Outdoor shows always pose different problems for promoters and for wrestlers than shows that are held indoors. Some wrestlers really love getting to wrestle outdoors. Some people loathe it. There's opinions on it either way. I know you've worked outdoor events in your career. What do you think of wrestling outdoors? Um, I actually love wrestling outdoors. If it's the middle of the summer, it can be, you know, it can be awful, you know, but I'm in Maine. We have days that are awful. Other parts of the country have months and seasons that are awful, you know? So I actually love it. I actually love, I would love wrestling right here in, right here in Buxton where I live. um, It's probably in the low sixties. I, I go to a show and it was supposed to be outside and it's a cold day that day and it's 50. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. I'd rather wrestle with it, you know, not, not rainy or any of that stuff. I love that stuff. I absolutely love it. Uh, we have, I have, have the ability, I get a, a bunch of fair shows 
and um, almost all of them are outside. So you're dealing with some kind of weather, you know, whether it's too hot or it's too cold or it's windy or it's rainy and you have to push it off for a couple hours or whatever it is. Once the ring's up, who cares how long it takes? I'm not going anywhere in an hour if I have to wait. If I have to wrestle, you just have to be more careful. But it also opens up some funny stuff. I mean, I was in a match with a guy one time, and the uh, it rained, and it was so slippery that we're literally holding onto the ropes. And I knocked him down, and the, the, the ring was, was used, so it had a nice dimple in the middle. And it had actually pooled water. It was one of those tarps kind of ones. Not a, not a tarp tarp, but a, 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 a canvas tarp. So it actually held the water. And it was a pool of water. So I went over and I dunked him in it once. And he had big, long hair. And he brings it up and swings it like, uh, like a girl coming out of, the, out of the ocean or whatever, flopping her hair back. That's what he did. Blah, 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 blah. And I did it again. Blah, 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 blah. And you just have, you, it gives you anything. Think out of the box. It gives you so much more stuff to do. I remember a WWF show held in Puerto Rico many, many years ago. There's footage on YouTube, and they had to do basically what you were describing, holding the ropes and being extraordinarily careful because there was a massive rainstorm happening as they were trying to wrestle. And they don't cancel it presents a different set of problems. Have you ever been on a show where someone was injured due to the weather conditions that happened that may have presented a problem? Nope, not at all. I mean, once again, if it's slippery, don't do something that you shouldn't be doing. I mean, it's a... Don't be foolish. Those injuries are part of professional wrestling. Everybody gets into it and knows that eventually there's going to be something, either a minor injury or something significant happens. I'm sure over the course of your career you've had some injuries. What are some of the ones you've had to overcome? Uh, I've been very, very lucky. Um, I've been wrestling for 24 years. I've had over 1,500 matches, and I know I've had one concussion. I may have had my, you know, scrambled once or twice, but nothing that was nothing I couldn't deal with. Um, I jammed my neck one time, just a muscle thing, um, and one or two other little things, but nothing from wrestling. I mean, the hardest part of wrestling is when you have a stiff back and you have to go drive four hours. The wrestling's the easy part. You get the adrenaline going, and you can go out there and do a lot that you can't do when you're sitting in the same spot for four hours in the car. That is the truth. You say you've been in the business for 24 years and had 1,500 matches, which means you've had to have seen your share of referees over the years. People that know the industry know that, especially on the independent level, the quality of refs is all over the map, and very good refs can help save a match. Very bad refs can 
Torpedo a good match. Who would you say are some of the better referees out there that you've worked with in your career? Oh, let's see. Better referees. Um, There's a gentleman that works for Limitless, Nate Speckman. He's a good referee. He's from Maine. Um, Let's see. It's a hard one. I wish I had known that one up front. I could have thought about stuff. Um, it, it, I have a couple of my guys that referee. They do the best they can. They're local guys. They're very capable. Um, but I wouldn't say that they're like A+. Plus. They do exactly what I need, and we, you know, we do what we can to work around what they can't do, just the same as I would with a wrestler who can't do something. Um, really, really good referees. Hmm. Honestly, and I know I'm missing somebody, but I can't. I don't know of any really good referees that uh, I come in regular contact with. I I get uh, I have my guys. I have some other traveling ones that I, you know, and you know, some are better than others. Uh, I wouldn't put any of them as A's. Some are B's and some are C's. You know, you know, you do what you can with what you got. And if any of my referees hear this, you know, <laughs> if I, one thing I don't do is bullshit people. You know, my guys are, are capable for what I need them for, just like everybody else on my shows. Kind of a, kind of a bullshit answer, but true. Well, I'm yeah. sure Nate hey, Speckman hey, is going to appreciate you? being top of the list for sure. <laughs> can I tell you a bad referee? Can I tell you my, my worst referee ever? Absolutely. All right, all right. This is, this is phenomenal. We went down to do the NWA convention back in, I was like the 56 or something like that. You can find it on the DVD. There was a three-team tag team match was me and Sonny, before we became Hillbillies, against the Big Islanders, against, I can't remember, I think it was Pierre Vachon and somebody else. I can't remember who it was. But this referee, now, I don't like to put people down. Those are mean. Uh, but this guy not only had a mullet, this referee not only had a mullet, he had a rat tail coming out of his mullet. And at the show, he comes up to me and he goes, I ain't never done one of them there three team tag team matches for. And I went, what? And he said it again. And I said, just, dude, and he was like getting all worried. I said, just count to three, bud. Just count to three. Oh, okay. And he walked off. I'm like, oh, my Lord. He was scary. I never referee one of them their three team tag team matches for. That had to be fourteen, fifteen years ago now. And did you come across them very much after that particular match? No, I no no, we're we're from Maine. We literally went to Tennessee to go be part of the uh the NWA convention. I never saw him again. Fair enough. I I gotta work with somebody else. Give me some anybody else, please. (laughs) 
One of the things that a lot of wrestlers always take pride in is their wrestling gear, and especially on the independents, you can often see a lot of elaborate designs, really creative sets of gear. Some people do the most basic things. Some people don't even use actual wrestling gear. It runs the gamut at the independent level. For your own personal career, did you have a set go-to whenever you needed wrestling gear? Did you have a place that you always went to get new gear when the need arose? Uh, my first set of gear I had made was made by the world-famous K&H. That was forever ago. Actually, I had a local person make me one set. I used that for a few years. Then I had K&H, my first professional set. Um, after that, I had we had a local person up here in Maine that was more of the generic version of custom, uh, you know, rather basically, you know, individual when me and Sonny were teaming a lot. And then um, we had other stuff made by, I can't remember her name, I can't remember her company. Her name was Juanina Timms, and her husband was Ken Timms, who was the wrestler that passed away a while ago, well, a bunch of years ago now. But they made us more than one set of gear, and I loved it. I loved it. Me as a as a hillbilly, I usually don't I don't need that kind of stuff. I have one custom singlet if I'm doing a really big show, even if it says the hillbilly, and I want to impress people. I have the custom set. But I don't wear it every day because there's no need to. I, I I work. I wrestle as a hillbilly. I am a hillbilly. So me getting all prepped up and proper, that wouldn't make much sense if I was a hillbilly. Would a hillbilly go out with a brand new sharp looking this and this and this? No. So there's no need of it. I mean, I have. I still have stuff that I that I wore 20 years ago. So I have all kinds of gear. It just doesn't make sense for what I do. A lot of wrestlers at some point in time or another in their career will don a mask to wrestle, whether it's on a regular basis or if it's a one-time thing or if it's just to fill in because somebody didn't show up and they need a body out there. Have you ever worn a mask during the course of a match? Many, 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 many times. When I first started... I used to referee for a company called Green Mountain Wrestling in Vermont. And I was the referee, and he knew I wanted to wrestle, and he knew a bunch of the guys that were on the show, and they said, you know, let him do it. You know, he didn't know me as a wrestler. Um, So what I would do is I was completely decked out, complete cover of the face. I had a skinny A-blast mask. It's like the, uh, the shield face kind of thing. And the mesh you can't can barely see through, but I had the colors changed, so it was a it was a custom thing. But I made it all black and silver. All my gear was black and silver, and I wrestled as the Texas Hangman number two. I didn't want to be number one because he was still in Texas. He was retired. That was my story. So I did that. You know, I would do that. I'd wrestle on the first match, and then I'd referee whatever matches after that I had to referee. That was where it started. I have wrestled. As uh, when, one time when I was getting going, I was the captain of the ring crew for a good company here in Maine. 
and he wanted to make sure I was still going to have the ability to go help with the ring if something happened with the ring. So I was once again covered in head and toe, and nobody knew who I was because my whole face was covered. I hold everything, um, and I wrestled as parts unknown. He weighs, his weight is unknown. He's from parts unknown. He's parts unknown, you know, and that was what, that was a regular thing for that company. Um, I have wrestled with, you know, I do a fair show and I'm short a body. I'll put on a mask and wrestle a second time. I have so many sets of gear and masks. I love masks. Uh, I am the, I, I'm not the biggest. I am a huge Dusty Road mark. So last year, I had Mike Woody, who makes phenomenal masks. Uh, he has made me probably at least six over the years, and I had him make me a, a Midnight Rider mask. And that's that's the pride that I love that mask. Oh. In our sport, we know that it can get very, very serious and very physical at times in there. One of the things that fans love more than anything in a wrestling match is when wrestlers will chop each other. It's become a standard on every wrestling show. Usually you'll see chops in the bulk of the matches on every show. Some guys throw them much, much harder than others. What would you say has been the hardest chop you've ever taken? Um, probably Wrecking Ball Ligurski. He works for NWA. He's all over New England. Uh, he's a, a football player. He's like six foot six, probably 350, and he hits like a Mack truck. Now, for the state of Maine, I know I hit the hardest, and there aren't many around that hit harder than me. Considering I am legitimately 51 years old, and the fact that I'm only five foot 11, and I weigh 245 pounds, the fact that I hit as hard as I do, I'm very proud of that. Um, I am not a bully, and I, I will, anybody that wants to hit me can hit me because I don't. I, Nowadays, I don't feel them anymore. You get the, you, did you ever play football or were you a wrestler? I uh, wrestle, yeah. Okay. Well, you know how you got to beat the soreness out of you? Yeah. Well, I've been, getting hit, I've been getting hit for 25 years, so I don't feel it anymore. My wife gets pissed. She says, Larry, unless I punch you in the face or hit you in the nuts, I can't hurt you. And you're not ticklish. It isn't funny. It's not fair. <laughs> and I laugh at her. You know, I, I think if somebody hits me and I turn around and, and laugh at them, I don't care. A professional wrestling is a sport where we have a lot of styles within it. A lot of the styles have become sort of niche products by themselves. You see, especially today being Cinco de Mayo, a lot of Lucha Libre-specific groups pop up and have their style at the forefront. We've seen in the last few years British-style shows pop up. You have the strong style that emulates 
the Japanese, you see a lot of uh, high-flying style promotions out there. A lot of the deathmatch style promotions are out there. Do you have a particular favorite style, both as a performer and maybe something that's completely different as an observer? Um, as, all right, as an observer, my guilty pleasure is deathmatch wrestling. I would never do it. It's not my thing. You know, a hardcore match, I'll do that, no problem. Uh, but, you know, I'm not into deathmatch stuff. And I have some friends, um, you know, I have friends in wrestling that are uh, deathmatch wrestlers. Um, have you ever heard of Danny DeMonto? Yes. Okay. I, 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 call, I message Dan, Danny all the time. Danny, Danny's cool with me, and I'm cool with him. And he keeps saying that he wants to bring wrestling up here to Maine. So uh, Danny's my buddy. I love Danny. Uh, he came up here. I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago when NWA on fire came up here to Maine and a whole contingent of them came up from New Jersey. And uh, I was the first time I ever worked, time I ever met him, and he was up here for a couple of years. And, you know, it's, you know, Danny's like, somebody else wanted to bring it up here, and they said that they knew me. And, and the first thing he said was, is if Larry's involved, I'm okay with it. So, we're not. I'm not. I'm not declaring anything, but yeah, me and Danny are cool, cool, cool buds. You know, I got a couple other buddies of mine that have done it. Uh, I don't know how much. Are you into the deathmatch scene? I'm not particularly a fan of the deathmatch wrestling, but I do know a lot of people I, that do it. Okay, uh, there was a guy a few years ago named Rob Marsh. He's from up here in New Hampshire. He did some deathmatch tournaments. He traveled a bunch down to Mid-South, that kind of stuff. And he's a crazy bastard, you know. Um, and I think they're all crazy bastards. Um, but, and, and I'm more of a fan of um, most of the Japanese stuff. Uh, you know, the scissors that are sticking into somebody's back, I'm not into. You know, but when they use a light tube, they clear it out of the ring. They let them go back to wrestle. You know, in America, it seems to just pile up in the middle of the ring. You know, that that, that takes that that makes the match slow down a little more and a little more and a little more. So I'm more a fan of the Japanese deathmatch stuff than I am American. But I follow it, not, not you know, religiously or anything, but I follow it. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, that, that's my guilty pleasure. Uh, me as a wrestler and me as a promoter, it's old school wrestling. Um, I, I believe in selling. I believe in telling stories. I believe in getting the fans. I believe in good guys versus bad guys. I believe in, you know, the, the if you, I believe in getting the fans to genuinely care. That's my whole goal when I wrestle and when I promote shows. When I'm booking a show, it's how do I get the fans to care? When I put the card together, it's for that reason. It's not for anything else. And everything I do for my shows is to get the crowd. There's nothing better than a crowd that is making noise the whole time. If a crowd is making noise for a big move and then they go quiet, you just lost it. And the next move, 
and then they're just expecting the next, you know, car crash, you know. But when you can, when when you've got enough heat as a as a heel, and you, all you do is step on a guy and tell people to shut up, and you get heat, that's because they genuinely care at that point. I think that the reason why wrestling always worked was it was good guy versus bad guy, and they loved the good guys and hated the bad guys. That made the matches so much easier to do and for the rest, for the fans to care. And it still works today, even with all these niche shows, if you do it right. It, all, it will always work if you do it right. My motto when I wrestle is less is more, nothing is best. Out over the history of pro wrestling. What, 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 hold on, hold on. What, oh, what's your what's your guilty pleasure and what's your kind of wrestling? Uh, I as a performer usually am sort of a a Memphis guy. I grew up watching a lot of Memphis. Was brought up Excellent. by a lot of the Excellent. old Memphis crew, so I enjoyed that as a spectator. Probably, if you're talking guilty pleasure, I like to watch a lot of the uh, old uh, sort of Portland-era stuff where it was two out of three falls a lot of times and kind of standard pro wrestling and smaller intimate crowds. Appreciate all of it. I've I've, I've wrestled out in, in Oregon a whole bunch of times, and... I learned from a bunch of the guys about, you know, where they were trained by and, you know, my, my buddy, I'm going to, I'm going to send this link to him when we're done. Um, his name is, he wrestled as Jeremy Blanchard. He still wrestles occasionally. He was trained by Buddy Rose, you know? So when I go out there, I get to, you know, I still get people that it may not even be one generation. It may have been somebody who was trained by Buddy Rose or uh, uh, Buddy Wayne or, you know, there's all kinds of names out there. And it's so cool to just be able to take all this in. I was just chatting with Jason online the other night. That's uh, Jeremy. And it's so cool because you know it just like I know it. I may have only been over there, uh, I think I went there seven or eight times. And it was for two days at a time. But you, you, you go to see him again, and it was like you went to high school together, and you loved each other. It was the greatest shit ever. It's like, oh, my God, where have you been? What's going on? It's the greatest thing in the world. We're the wrestlers are the biggest brotherhood other than police, fire department, and the military. Wrestlers are the, the tightest bonded group, I think, in the world, other than the first responders and all those guys, because we hold our lives in each other's hands. You know, I can break your neck. I can kill you with a body slam. Trust that you get from you. And, and then the camaraderie that you get from them, there's nothing like it. The rush and at the same point, the trust you have with each other is awesome. Now, I have worked many times with Jeremy Blanchard, so I know exactly who Excellent. you're talking about there. You tell him Larry Huntley said hi. I definitely will. And, of course, uh, Jeremy Blanchard, very inspired by the old Memphis promotions as well. He loved Memphis. Exactly. I, can I, I want to tell you a story. We used to do a weekly show at a little bar down the street here years and years ago, and we had a gimmick where 
me and my partner, Sonny, we couldn't wrestle for the tag team titles. So we had a tag team battle royal. And uh, there were two masked wrestlers that kind of looked like me and Sonny. And we were, um, what were we? I can't remember. We were called Dos Equis. One was uh, uh, Tequila and the other was Margarita. And we had on masks inside out to win the battle royal. Just, just typical fun. That's Memphis stuff. You know, just funny, funny shit that still to be taken seriously because we had to get, we had to win to get that chance again. You know, it's, that's the stuff. I love that shit. Love it. Absolutely. Now, since wrestling has been on television, which goes back to the very earliest days of television, Hollywood has been trying to put out wrestling movies. There's dozens of wrestling-based movies out there. What would you say has been the best attempt by Hollywood so far to really capture professional wrestling in its essence? Oh, wow. Uh, Well, it wouldn't be Body Slam. Uh, (laughs) um, It also, you know what? For a bunch of indie guys, it probably is the wrestler. You know, but, you know, that's not a lot of indie guys, but that's for some of them. Um, Let me think. It sure as hell wasn't ready to rumble. Um, Oh, wow. You got some, you got some inventive questions. I like this shit. Problem is I can't think. Um, Out of all the ones that I've seen that I can think of, it would probably be the wrestler for the indie scene itself. Uh, not for the big time. Um, and I can't think of one that would be the same as the big time because it's a completely different beast. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a part-time wrestler. I'm not doing it full-time. I have that daytime job. Um, and the struggles of you know, life and family and work while still doing this. And, you know, that's probably the closest one that I can think of. What What are some other ones that I'm missing? Uh, let's see. Have you seen For All the Marbles? No. I saw the I saw the parody one from Canada. I can't remember what that one is. All the Marbles. I'll have to watch that. That is a good one. Um Let's see. Now, when you talk the wrestler, I'm presuming Mickey Rourke version and not the Vern yes. Gagne version. Not the Vern Gagne one, no. <laughs> now, that was fun in parts. It was almost like three different movies that just morphed into one. <laughs> Danny was in that, too. Absolutely. Now, in a similar vein, especially in the last 25 years, there have been a lot of books written about wrestling and a lot of books that have been written by wrestlers. You didn't have a lot of choices up until Mick Foley had such success with his autobiography, but then the floodgates opened. What would you say are some of the best wrestling-based books for someone looking to learn more about the sport? 
that first Mick Foley book was phenomenal. Um, the biography, not the autobiography of Vince McMahon. It was like Headlock something, and I can't remember what the name of it is. Um, that's an excellent book. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Are the ones I, I there's some of them that they do in in character, and it's foolish. Uh, I read Steve Austin's book. That was not good. Um, stories were like I uh, rode in the car a lot with uh, Percy and uh, Scandor, and they had some funny stories. And then we went to the show. Well, what were the funny stories? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, Kane's book was a gimmick book. Um, oh, you there? My, my favorite of all time would have to be Nick's book. I've started the Andre book, but I haven't gotten that far in it yet. I say that's a favorite book. One of the things that in the last several years has become far more popular than perhaps ever in wrestling is women's wrestling. It went from sort of a niche product where women were looked at as sort of a novelty act and you could only have one women's match per show to now women headline WrestleMania and no one bats an eye at it. Uh, You have all women's promotions doing very well. One of the all women's promotions, of course, is WOW Women of Wrestling, which has relaunched. And David McLean, who has had a few different... Uh, all women's promotions over the years is back at the head of that. Have you seen much of the newest incarceration of WOW, and do you have any opinions on what they're doing? I've only seen some snippets, a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, It doesn't seem to be quite as campy, but it still looks more like a, a parody of wrestling as compared to wrestling. It's like the crowd, I, it, crowd at center stage when they told them when to boo and when to cheer. I'd say that's probably several steps ahead of where they were in the first incarnation of WOW as far as oh, focusing on wrestling. But, yeah, I, yep. I definitely see elements of GLOW coming out of David McLean uh, in parts of the show. He's a salesman just trying to sell his product, and that's, you know, he's found his niche, and he's going to go with it. You know, that's what he has Absolutely. to do. Otherwise, otherwise, he's just going to melt into what everybody else is. And even if it's campy, it's for some people, you know. I'm not into the, the super indie stuff and no selling stuff. It kills me. You're actually killing them. You know, they're not selling it. They're not doing all that little extra stuff that could make more you know, uh, love for people in the ring as compared to respect for people in the ring. You know, they respect, the problem is they respect everybody and they don't hate anybody. Uh, You said earlier that you travel up here in our neck of the woods up in the Pacific Northwest. Wrestling has gotten hot at the independent level 
in the last few years and with the advent of streaming services and things of that nature it's opened up the entire country for independent wrestlers to really travel if they want to travel is there a part of the country where you've never been to wrestle that would most interest you to go and have a match well here's my thing i have had the ability I, I i'm an old guy at this point i i wrestle everybody almost everybody on my show is young enough to be my kid you know so at this point it's bucket list stuff i wrestle i've wrestled in every big building in the state of maine um and I am so my my answer is going to be this is going to be funny. My answer is going to be Delaware. Now I'm going to tell you why. It's a bucket list. I have wrestled on every state on the eastern seaboard but Delaware. And I don't have you know I don't plan on getting done anytime soon. But it's just one of those things that would be cool to mark off. You know then if I get that done then I'm going to hit every state that touches the Atlantic Ocean. You know get Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi. You know, just have fun. You know, I, I do this at this point because it's fun. I'm not going to the Fed. I don't want to go to the Fed. When I started, I didn't. I mean, I got a family. I have no desire for that. I, they wouldn't ask me. And I guess if they offered me a lot of money, I'd go do it. But it would kind of ruin my life here at home, you know. So I'm okay with where I am. You know, I have I have three kids. I have two grandkids. Um, I got a loving wife. I even love my mother-in-law. She lives with us. She's a cool shit. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine breaking this up to go do that stuff. But what I do is on a weekend, you know, I used to do this quite a lot. I used to work for uh, Big Time Wrestling. They're based here in, in Massachusetts, but they would do tours. They would do weekend tours all up and down the East Coast. They've been to uh, uh, Montana. They've been up to, uh, you know, probably most of the states on the eastern third of the country, and then they hit outside spots when they have the right gimmick going, you know. And I've been able to, because of them, I've been able to go and do all this cool stuff, you know. Because of them, I've been able to wrestle, you know, cool guys from my past, like WWE Hall of Famers and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You know, I've had a chance to do this with so many guys that, you know, I would have never, at 26, I would have been, what are you talking about? That's never going to happen. And a year later, I started wrestling, you know? So with me, it, with me, it's just have fun. And what comes up fun for me? I don't have any design place I want to go because I'm a homebody. I don't know if this is it with you, but when I'm wrestling, I'm the biggest extrovert you will ever know in your life. I will talk to anybody about anything. I will threaten to moon people, flash people, do anything else. And when I'm home, I don't want to talk to nobody. It's just, it's it's so crazy. I don't. I, there's some wrestlers that I know that are exact same way, and other ones are exactly as they are in the ring. And it's gone, and then they get to go back to be me. People ask me, how do you turn it on and off? I said, I've been doing it so long. That's what the curtain's for. You know, I don't worry about that stuff no more. When you first start, you're worried about getting adrenaline going and doing all that stuff. <laughs> I'll see you in the ring. Don't worry about it. So if you're Being a promoter, a promoter that is well, a on, different type of mindset for professional wrestling. When you are looking to bring in talent to your shows, what are you as a promoter looking for out of that talent? All right. My shows are smaller shows. 
Um, I book accordingly. I am looking. I, I am looking for guys that are looking for experience. I'm not looking for bums. But I'm looking for guys to get their time and to try stuff. I have. I have a uh, a fair that goes ten days in a row in the same place, and I have wrestlers every year that come and do every day so they can just try new stuff. That didn't work today. I'm gonna try something different tomorrow. I'm a. I have local guys that are my homegrown guys from my area. That's about two thirds of my card, and then the other third, which is I usually do fourteen people. I only do six matches a night. That's all you have to do. Two hour show. There's a reason why movies are an hour and forty five minutes because that's the attention span. So I'm looking for guys that are willing to listen, are willing to help, and are willing to learn. I can get anybody to sit there and be a wrestler. But there's, you know, there's five guys that will do that. I want the guy that is willing to help. I can always get people that are willing to show up. Are you, the, the, the wrestlers are uh, pretty much a dime a dozen. I'm not booking guys with names because they're not affordable on my cards. So what I'm looking for is the guys that are willing to put up uh, posts on Facebook. I got guys that are every now and then around with me as I hang up posts. You know, guys that will help before the show, help after the show. Guys, if somebody needs some help with something, go help that guy. They'll go do it. My show is a lower um, show in the state of Maine. I do between um, 100 on a little dinky show, and I'll do. I did uh, two fifty three weeks ago in a little gymnasium, and it was packed. Um, so that's the size of my crowd, and I book accordingly. So I'm looking for guys that are willing to, whether it's physically, uh, Facebook wise, posters wise, uh, help somebody. Up. I need somebody to go pick somebody up. Can you do it? Yes. I need somebody that can do this. I can get wrestlers all the time, but then I have to book all these other people to help do other things. But they'll do any my, the guys I work that work for me will do anything I ask them to do. Loyalty begets loyalty. If they ask something from me, I give it to them every time I can, and it goes both ways. So I'm looking for loyal people that are willing to help. We're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure there is ample time. If you have anything you would like to say to the listeners, if you want to plug and promote absolutely anything from upcoming dates to merchandise to social media to your favorite donut shop, anything at all, the floor is all yours. (laughs) All right, let's see. Um, I run a show four times a year at a, a rock and roll club named Gino's Rock Club. It is the most fun place. I have wrestled in front of thousands of people, and this is the most fun. It is literally wide enough for the ring, fire code, and about a foot combined. Okay, It's standing room only. It's rowdy. It's not violent. It's vocal, but it's rowdy, and they have fun the whole night long. That is my show. It is in two weeks. It is on uh, May 19th. It goes on at 9 o'clock. It's a 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock show. I only charge 10 bucks. It's the cheapest deal in town, and I have wrestlers that, oh, can I be on that show? 
well, why don't you try one of my lesser shows before you get on one of my shows that everyone wants to be on? You know, show me a little loyalty, and then we'll reward it with you getting on one of them shows, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I do shows all over me. Um, if anybody's in the area looking for, uh, looking to get booked, anyone in, Re- in Maine that is a wrestling fan and hasn't heard of me, please find me on Facebook. You can find me off of uh, uh, Jason's Facebook page. You can find me as Larry Huntley. You want the one with my grandson on my head, not the one in my arm. Um, that's my that's my my business one for wrestling. Um, I do fair shows every year. I do you know I put on between my fair shows and my other stuff. I do probably twenty five to thirty shows a year. So I do all kinds of little shows. I do bigger shows. I have so much fun doing this stuff. Um, if anybody is looking to help, whether it's, you know, hang posters, if they want to uh, help with the door, run music, if they want to be a referee, you know, if they want to be a wrestler, I need to send you to school. There's a couple of them around here too. But uh, I remember being the one looking for a way in, and I will uh, do my darndest to help anybody that's looking for help. I have some guys that are, you know, I've had before. I can't get to class because I can't do this. I said, do it the old way. I'm willing to let you ride with me, and I'll teach you in the car. And if there's time, I'll teach you before the show. You know, I have some people try it for a little while. It's not for them. It's different. It's a different breed thing, you know. But uh, if nothing else, if you talk to anybody that knows me, how were you when you first met him? I hated him. Everybody hates me when they first meet me. I can be a real asshole sometimes but it's because I love the business. And then after a while, they go, ah, that's just Larry. Don't worry about it. That's that's nothing. You know, so I do shows all over the state. If you're looking for a connection for a show somewhere, please hit me up. I'm a ring rental as well. If you want to run in the state of Maine, uh, I rent my ring to uh, Limitless Wrestling for their week, their monthly shows. Uh, I rent it to other companies as well. Um, and I have a great time doing this. If anybody wants to bring me to Delaware, you can find me on Facebook, too. Well, Larry, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. Best of luck getting to Delaware, and hopefully maybe we'll cross paths at some point in the near future. Sounds good, brother. And remember, once we know each other, we're brothers. Absolutely. Now, fans, if you have not gotten familiar with the Stefflin Hillbilly Cousin Larry, jump on the YouTube, look him up. Great, great talent. I think you will enjoy him. If you're in Maine, get out there and support him. A couple of other show notes I missed earlier. Speaking of Maine, there is a benefit show happening tonight in Bidford, Maine, and also... There is a show here in our neck of the woods in Tacoma, Defy Wrestling Running Tonight, and bringing in Juventud Guerrera. So if you're in our neck of the woods, you got some live wrestling in Tacoma. Everybody stay safe out there. We'll be back with you Sunday afternoon. We have from Dwarfinator's Mr. Nice Guy. Should be a great show. We will be back with you next week as well on Friday. Everybody stay safe. And we will talk to you very soon. How was that?
Excellent. Talking in 